Live from London, this is the Saturday Lunch with Joseph. <coughs> right then, it's Saturday, the 26th of February. My name's Joe Hammond. I'm a music and computing specialist at primary school level. On today's show, I'm talking children and YouTube channels, card games, and Lynn Marsh. One of the most prominent songwriters in the world for children and young people is my guest. Live from London, this is the Saturday Lunch with Joseph Hammond on Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live at ttradio.org or to join in the conversation, download the Podbean app and search Teachers Talk Radio. Follow the hashtag TT Radio. Tune in, talk it out with Teachers Talk Radio. Okay, welcome to the show. Um, so, it is uh, Saturday the 26th of uh, February. I um, I hope everyone's okay. I hope um, everyone's not um, too anxious or, or uh, upset about... Or, I hope everyone's coping with, you know, the storms and with everything that's going on in the world at the moment. Um, but yeah, I like to, I like to keep things um, positive and I like to, I like to sort of promote the strong aspects of the things that I'm passionate about on my show. So hopefully we'll be able to do that. So Lynn Marsh, um, who is one of the uh, world's, not just the country, but the world's most prominent singers, songwriters, vocal coaches for children and young people, is going to be on my show. She's going to call in about half past one. Um, I'm very excited about that because, um, as I said in my um, social media promotion, you've probably... Or well, you've definitely sung one of her songs in the past before. You, if you've been at school and you've been in choirs, or you've been in, um, or you've been in any sort of involved in any sort of singing at school, then you've sung a Lynn Marsh song. Um, it's it, it's pretty much guaranteed. She's written so many. She's done so much. So I'm going to be talking to her a bit later, which is going to be very, very exciting. Um, but first, I wanted to talk about a couple of things that I can't remember, honestly, if I've mentioned them before. But I wanted to uh, talk a bit about them. And the first is about children and YouTube. And the second is about trading card games. Um, so I'm going to start with the um, children and YouTube side of things, because um, what I'm noticing a lot is people feel very uncomfortable um, generally when, you know, it's, it's things like featuring children on YouTube. And under and under or, or or they sort of get cynical about it if they see you know a child is featured in a video and it's a it's a very wholesome video. I'll explain more about that later. But 
there's sort of a naturally cynical attitude about it. And I guess that is understandable what with, um, you know, as teachers, we we have to consider so much about safeguarding and things and uh, having a child's face, a child featured in a video and put out there on the internet. Well, anyone who uses the internet a lot knows once it's on the internet, the internet never forgets. So, um, and as adults, yeah, we understand a lot of that. Well, I like I like to think adults understand that anyway. Um, but I mean, some do, some don't. However, um, it's obviously children need to know these things and some will be very shy and might not want to be on camera you know and that's their choice we have we should respect that but what i'm talking about is i'm talking about um where i there was there was a song that was uploaded recently by a band called interval 941 now Interval 941 are the four children of um, one of the members of Boyce Avenue. For those that don't know, Boyce Avenue is a very prominent uh, cover band. And, well, they're not just a cover band. They have their uh, loads of original songs as well, but they're very famous on YouTube for their acoustic covers that they do. And Boyce Avenue is formed of three brothers, um... Alejandro Manazzo, Fabian Manazzo, and Daniel Manazzo. And Daniel Manazzo, his four children have got their own band and their own YouTube channel called Interval941. At the moment, they're 13 years old, 11 years old, 9 years old, and 4 years old at the time of this show and at the time of them releasing their most recent video, which is a cover of uh, Justin Bieber's Ghost. Now, yeah, you could, yeah, I, I know I just mentioned Justin Bieber. Yeah, you could you could debate whether that's a good idea or not, them listening to Justin Bieber. Um, but actually, you know, the Justin Bieber part aside, it's a really good cover of um, of a song that, I might, I would definitely wouldn't have heard or listened to if it wasn't for them. They are really good singers. They've got great voices, and they don't upload um, every week or every day. In fact, there was a huge gap between that and their last uh, song that they did, um, which was um, "You and Me" by James Wt, a cover of that, um, and. Yeah, they really, they are really good singers, as I said. And the uh, the oldest one, Mikel, he's uh, 13 and his voice is breaking and they're finding ways of, uh, his voice is going lower and they're finding ways of making it work. But they're all great singers. The first video they upload, uh, loaded was when, um, well, their youngest, Oceana, wasn't born yet. Um, and... So it was the three boys, uh, Mikhail, Kian, and Luca, um, who were nine years old, seven years old, and five years old at the time. And they and they uploaded um, and they made a cover of Imagine Thunder by Imagine Dragons. And 
yeah, they really showed how good they were at singing in that video alone. Um, it was, you know, children, a lot of children want to start their own YouTube channels and want to do YouTube. Um, and I guess if they hadn't uploaded that, if they hadn't been, you know, singing on YouTube, they've inspired a lot of people. Because, you know, there's you got three boys who are, you know, typical boys. They're, you know, into their sports, they're into some a bit of gaming, they're uh they're they're they're, they're typical American boys. And but yet yeah, they're actually really they're also really good, um, really good singers. And I don't some people might sort of automatically think, are they being forced to do it? Are they um are are they harming themselves by by putting themselves out there on YouTube? And that's a very extreme thing because they're not sharing their entire lives. They're they're you know uploading videos with their family's help of themselves singing, and it is a really good. They are really good videos. They're really good covers, and you know they've got something really special, a family unit that sings together and makes music together. I love that. Um, so, but I guess the automatic reaction from some people is, you know, that children and young people should never be um, featured or um, put on, on the internet. And I'm sort of saying there's got to be a balance because I feel like, I feel like the, a lot of children and young people want to be creative it's in their nature now that's a debate for a, that's a huge uh, debating topic for another time everything about creativity but if they if they want to share something that they're proud of with others you know why should we stop that um that would actually be more harmful than saying than that than well, then just letting letting them put that out there. And there's ways of mitigating and stopping things that could happen, because obviously the internet has a lot of dangers. You've got online trolls, you know, you've got um, hacking, you've got, you know, all sorts of things. But it, it shouldn't, I don't believe that the dangers should uh, let people stop people from, you know, sharing something that they are proud of. And if it can be kept in a way that um, they can be kept safe while doing that, then that is a valuable thing. I know that Interval 941, the the kids' bands that I've been talking about have actually inspired a lot of people. Um, and that's infinitely more valuable than, you know, any amount of trolls, you know, if you know how to deal with internet trolls. And um, I'm I, I, I haven't seen any nasty comments on their videos, so I'm sure that the uh, the their their mum and dad's do know what they're doing with that. 
Um, and I've got a few other uh, examples um, of some child YouTubers that I know about. Um, so one of the most prominent gaming YouTubers that's sort of under under 18, his name is Ethan Gamer. And he um, got reached 100,000 subscribers when he was nine. And then his popularity just exploded from there of him playing Minecraft and various other games. And I feel like um, when I, I've met Ethan a few times and he is a super nice guy and his dad I had a long chat with his dad about the whole thing, like how you deal with hate comments, how you deal with um, all sorts of aspects of things that things that needs to be kept monitored. And they know what they're doing. Ethan is super humble. He's always been super humble. He's 15 now. And he's still just as much of a nice, humble person as he was when he started YouTube at seven years old. Um, and his popularity hasn't stopped him from being a super nice guy. Every time I've met him, and he always makes time when he goes to gaming conventions and he's met his fans, he always smiles, always makes time for them, is always super friendly. and. You know, why shouldn't he be allowed to be a role model for people both his own age and for other young people? That that's that's sort of the question that I would put to to others. You know, obviously account has to be managed by parents, but my point is that there's got to be a ba like just like in everything there's got to be a balance i don't believe that obviously as a computing specialist i teach a lot of e safety and obviously i'm telling a lot of children that they should not be uh sharing their entire lives online and the dangers of doing that however we shouldn't be just saying don't go on youtube you're not allowed to to go on um you're not allowed to make a youtube channel you're not allowed to uh to be on the internet at all if they've got something that is in as that is in some way inspiring or in some way wholesome that will have a positive impact on others and it sounds it might sound silly to some people, me saying that a somebody who plays video games um, is is you know inspiring to young people and children. But my but Ethan, as I said before, when I've met Ethan, he's been just super humble, super nice, and super friendly with everybody. And I I I love that he is a role model to so many children and young people and they need strong positive role models because there's so many negative role mo uh, negative things and, ne and people doing negative things out there that children can young people can 
get access to that they then um that they then oh yeah that's 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 the way i should be you know i i like his videos i watch him and he swears a lot and he uh stirs up drama therefore i should be like him and so i support anything that any any anybody that can have you know a positive influence in that way uh, whether it through whatever they do whether it be music whether it be playing video games um whatever it is and i think that um oh i've lost my train of thought uh, <laughs> so yeah with these with these aspects you have to it has it has to be balanced now as a teacher i would never i would i would never and you know kids knowing that i play video games children have have regularly asked me you know what's my username on minecraft and um what's my xbox gamer tag um and what what's your discord username all all these things i've been asked that a lot and i've said to them i can't i can't do that i'm sorry but i can't do that it's it's actually i'd get in serious trouble if i was uh, so called friends with you on any online platform um and they can't think why and i guess it's i guess it's understandable you know you're not i'm not going to explain to them the details of why you know some you know children have made friends with adults online and then it's gone wrong i'm not going to talk about that in you know graphic detail but um it's got but there's there's got to be there's got to be a balance of these things that doesn't mean i'm not willing to talk to them about playing the game and in one case with minecraft we have minecraft education edition at my school we've used it for a few things i've done um a bit of uh, music teaching where i've shown them how music in video games works so i have played video games with my kids in school in a safe environment um Right, that was a massive tangent, wasn't it? Wow. Um, so, uh, yeah, if 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 people, if children have something awesome to share, and it's and it's inspiring in some way, or really wholesome in some way, then they shouldn't be restricted from sharing that with others. Um, they should be protected, but they should be have an environment where it's safe to share some of these things um uh, one more example i'm going to share with everyone is um i mentioned this kid before on my show his name's caleb hayes um goes by caleb h drummer on social media and on youtube and um he's seven years old he is one of the best drummers i've ever seen i'm not making that up he his skill on the drum kit is insane he can play um, several different songs by Rush, uh, Dream Theater, um, loads of loads of really technically complex rock and metal songs. Now, one thing I'm not sure how I feel about with Caleb is he's seven years old and he's really into Slipknot. Now, Jay Weinberg, the current drummer of Slipknot 
has been super friendly and super nice. They are really actually off on stage. They're obviously very gruesome, shouty, and aggressive. Slipknot, but actually off stage, they are quite nice. Really, quite nice people. Um, it's just that's their on stage persona. And Jay Weinberg, the current drummer of Slipknot, and the late Joey Jordison, the first drummer of Slipknot, the um. They were both. They've both been super nice and supportive of um, of of Caleb, and um, and so I'm not sure how I feel about that. Part of me is thinking, should a seven year old child be listening to Slipknot and um, and and playing their songs? But the other part of me is thinking, actually this music although it's not something that i would personally listen to a lot it's brought this kid so much joy and inspired him so much in his drumming journey and he's in turn inspiring others why should we stop that it's it's a dilemma that i'm i'm not sure i'm not sure how i'd feel about that like if i heard kids that I teach were listening to Slipknot and they were, um, you know, in primary school, so they'd be 11 or under, I would probably say, is that appropriate for you to listen to? Now, but, so yeah, it's it's a dilemma and I, I can't get my head around how I truly feel about that. So anyway, the other thing I wanted to talk about before my uh, wonderful guest Lynn Marsh calls in is I wanted to um, talk about trading card games because trading card games are super complicated. Um, they they can they can be very complicated. I'm talking about card games like Magic: The Gathering, the Pokemon trading card game, Yu-Gi-Oh. Um, they if you actually do a deep dive into the rules and the intricacies of the game, they are super complex, especially Yu-Gi-Oh! Now, me and my brother played Magic the Gathering a lot as um, as kids, and I've been getting into the uh, Magic the Gathering arena online um, a bit. And it's really quite... Um, I so I know what I'm doing, but that doesn't mean that everybody who tries it is gonna be able to learn the rules super quickly. Especially something a game like Yu-Gi-Oh is the most recent one that I've been learning to play, um, and it's there's so many different terms and different rules and different tactics for you to learn. That it really, even though I've, I've you know, learned most of the rules, actually, it still makes my head hurt sometimes. Um, and, you know, a lot of kids and teens, they can learn this stuff quite quickly because I guess it's attractive to them. But they really can learn a lot of this stuff that... Um, especially if they then enter tournaments, it's quite um, a big, it's quite a big thing. And 
let just just to give you an idea of how complicated Yu-Gi-Oh is. Um, I don't. Um, I doubt anyone that's listening to this has played it. But if you have, then I'd love to hear about another teacher who plays games like that. Um, you've got. I'm just going to list off many, many of the terms that Yu-Gi-Oh players have to learn what they mean and learn what they do and learn how to use them. So. You've got spell cards, you've got trap cards, you've got monster cards. Monsters can be played by normal summoning, setting them. They can also be fusion summoned, synchro summoned, XYZ summoned, pendulum summoned. Um, traps can be counter traps, continuous traps. Spells can be continuous spells, field spells, quick play spells. Um, yeah. If you were got lost there, you know, you probably understand how new players feel at first. It has has to be a slow process of learning the rules gradually. And I mean, a lot of the summoning methods of summoning monsters have been developed over time. Back when Yu-Gi-Oh! first was a game, Yu-Gi-Oh! became, um, it was just, you could normals, uh, you could summon a player monster normally just by putting it down or you could tribute summon so that and then the additional summoning methods came after that so it's um a really it's a very complex system um and a lot of children can get their head around that much better than adults can um so you know I guess the point I'm trying to make with it is don't don't give um give give children and young people credit because if things are approached right as a teacher then you can um then they can they can learn super quickly and this is something that I'm trying to I'm definitely trying to research and learn as much as I can in terms of applying games-based um, and thinking about how I um, thinking about how I do how, how how I can leverage what I know about children and the way they learn through you know playing a game in my own teaching. So I'm gonna run the adverts now. And then um, it will be time for my guest to call in, hopefully. This episode of Teachers Talk Radio has been made possible with support from Witherslack Group, the UK's leading provider of SEN education and care. They're here to support you, too, through an ever-growing offer of free resources, including webinars, podcasts, articles, and events aimed at supporting teaching professionals like you. Visit their website at www.weatherslackgroup.co.uk to find out more. Introducing Uplearn. Uplearn is an online curriculum learning resource for A-levels that improves student outcomes whilst reducing teacher workloads. Teachers use Uplearn to facilitate independent learning and consolidation of classroom material. Over 150 schools have seen great improvements with Uplearn, 
including St Paul's Girls School, Michaela Community School and ARC schools. Book a demo at uplearn.co.uk and quote TTR for 10% off. That's uplearn, U-P-L-E-A-R-N dot co dot UK. Introducing Bulb. With evidence-based learning at the forefront of education, let Bulb digital portfolios help reshape your educational practice. Bulb helps teachers teach and learners learn. Bulb is an easy-to-use, fully accessible digital platform that captures students' digital learning assets in one place, allowing them to evidence their learning and reflect on their growth. Our dedicated team of education specialists are on hand to ensure the Bulb fits seamlessly into all of your teaching practices. Come take a look and get a free account at bulbapp.com. If you're listening to this, then we know we share one thing in common. A passion for the type of outstanding education that every child deserves. That's what makes us the leading provider of specialist education and care. We need people like you to help us achieve even more. With us, you'll be given all the resources and support you need, offered a clear path to career progression, and be rewarded with some of the best salaries and benefits the industry has to offer. We are with a Slack group. If you'd like to find out more, we'd love to hear from you. Visit www.withaslackgroup.co.uk forward slash careers and be part of our future. Okay, right. Um, I, I can see Lynn has been um, in the listeners uh, section that she's dropping in and out a bit. So uh, hopefully she'll be able to um, to join us in a bit. But before... ah. Right, Lynn, um, are you able to call in now? Um, and then we'll get going. Um, while she gets that sorted, I am going to play one of her songs that she sent me. This is one that Lynn wrote during lockdown um, about, uh, it's called Living in the Moment. Feel 
So that was um, Living in the Moment um, by my guest, Lynn. She's just having a little bit of uh, trouble calling in at the moment. Hopefully that will be resolved in a bit. Um, so while we get that sorted, I'll, um, she also sent me a uh, second song. So I'll play that. Um, it's called One Step at a Time. This is another one that Lynn wrote uh, during lockdown. One step at a time, you can get through, you can get through it. One step at a time up to you see you can do it just remember to breathe let it all out take it all in one step at a time and you can begin when you're in doubt and the world is tumbling round you you and shout but the walls close in around you though hope is gone you just can't hide yourself away here comes the sun and the light of a brand new day one step at a time you can get through you can get through it one step at a time, all up to you, see you can do it. Just remember to breathe, let it all out, take it all in. One step at a time, and you can begin. When times are tough. to breathe Come on, let then. it all out take it all in one step at a time you can begin 
Okay then. Um hopefully we're uh we're nearly there. Um Lynn's just having a bit of uh trouble calling in, it's not a problem. Um so while uh while she's just getting um all of that sorted, um I'll uh, what I'll do is I'll tell you a bit about her through um the uh biography that she sent me. Um so Lynn Marsh, she trained at Trinity College of Music and London University, later gaining an MA with distinction in performance uh, and arts, performance arts at Middlesex University. She has worked extensively in music education in all sectors and has worked with um, organizations such as the London Mozart Players, the, um, where am I? No, 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 I don't want that. Sorry. Um, she has worked with the yeah, London Mozart Players, the Birmingham Symphony Hall Education, the Royal Opera House Education Department, the uh, Glyndebourne Education, Opera North and Youth Music Theatre UK. As a voice specialist, Lynn works throughout the country running courses for teachers on singing, performance and composing skills and directs many choral events for all key stages as well as adjudicating festivals. Her songbook series for secondary and primary schools, Songscape and Junior Songscape, are published by Faber Music along with many other vocal works. The latest... Songscape World for Key Stage 2 and 3 came out last month. Lynn also works on commissions for young people composing both choral works and music theatre pieces. Oh, I just got a message. I'm on page with followers but not calls. Um Okay. Um I'm on page with followers, but not calls. Hmm. Right, I'm gonna try. I'm gonna try uh, one other thing. Um, let's see if that ah, no buttons with call in. Hmm. Okay. I'm gonna. I'm just gonna try one other thing, Lynn. Let's see if this works. Um. If you sorry about this, everyone. <laughs> we'll get we'll get there eventually. <laughs>
I'm determined to get this working. Okay, um, so hopefully that'll um, do something. So yeah, uh, where was I? I'll, I'll continue um, reading out um, some of her biography. Uh, so the um, Lynn also works on commissions for young people composing both choral works and music theatre pieces and works for the National Youth Music Theatre as a musical director for many workshops and productions, including the Ballad of Salomon Pavey at Shakespeare's Global Theatre Globe Theatre in London. Her piece, The Wild Swans, for Halle Children's Choir and Orchestra is commissioned and performed in Manchester in June 2014. Lynn worked as advisory teacher of music in Oxfordshire for 10 years and was regularly invited to contribute to national education events such as the National uh, and Scottish Association of Music Educators Conferences and Organisations. Um, and... Oh, Lynn, is that you? Oh my goodness, I am so, so sorry. <laughs> Don't worry, um, it's okay, don't worry about it. What we can do is we can edit out um, the uh, slow bits um, after the, it's gone live, so no problem. I'm so sorry. I thought I'd done everything in advance, but uh, it's always the technology that defeats me. <laughs> <laughs> it's oh, okay. God, it's okay. me. At least, at least that link works. That's great. Thank you. We'll discuss it at some point afterwards why I couldn't do it. Anyway, I am here in person and very pleased to be talking to you. Um, Brilliant. Apologies. Thank you very much for um, joining us, Lynn. I'm really excited <laughs> to have you. <laughs> no, it's a pleasure. So, um, Lynn, start us off. Um, I, I always do this with my guests. Um, mm -hmm. You're backgrounds your musical backgrounds and your musical opportunities growing up what was that like for you did you have many musical opportunities growing up uh, well I had two parents that um, played my father played the piano by ear my mother was always singing um, a, a piano was produced when I was eight and I was given um, piano lessons there was constantly music in the house my my grandmother lived with us actually and she loved doing little um, recitations and comedy songs <laughs> oh, wow. um, so I grew up with no uh, kind of formal musical training but a great love of music musicals, of concerts, of uh, joining it, generally doing community music. My father's um, from the Shetland Islands, so everybody up there um, can play everything. They all play the fiddle, they play the guitar, uh, they wow. sit down and vamp at the piano. So, so that was my kind of upbringing, was a very, very positive one towards singing and, and joining in, really. Oh, brilliant. And uh, when did you get started writing songs? As soon as I started playing the piano, I'm, my first thing I ever actually wrote down in manuscript, in a lovely childish manuscript, is, was a love song when I was eight. Oh, that's, that's <laughs> awesome. Um, so I always, I, I learnt piano, but I always played by ear and I always spent far more time fiddling around composing and singing at the piano than I ever did practicing my scales. It, it's always, it's yeah. always a mystery to me that I've got two piano diplomas <laughs> <laughs> because the one thing I never particularly enjoyed was, was classical piano music, which of course you have to do yeah. all the way through the grades, you know. 
Yeah, well, do you know what? What you said about playing by ear and things, as a teacher, that's what I do for most of the time Absolutely, now. absolutely. I mean, even when I'm playing my own songs for a workshop, I'm kind of busking because the one thing I want to be able to do is see the children and, and, yeah. and be engaging with them. So, you know, you do horrible things to your body, don't you, standing crouched over a piano, yeah. <laughs> a piano or a keyboard. Um, but, yeah, playing by ear is is the greatest thing actually and I, and I wish people more people could just go to a piano lesson and learn how to busk chords because that's far more useful yeah I, I often I've often said this to um, other you know music students who um, have, have gone on to do some peripatetic teaching and things yes um, yeah. I've often said to them actually your head at the moment is buried in the sheet music. Yes. Are you, yeah. I, I, well, how's your listening skills going? How are you going to see what the children are doing? Absolutely. And, what, and you know, is reading music really the most important thing that they're going to learn from the music or is it going to be their listening skills? And Absolutely. Like that? Yes. Yeah, yeah. No, and, and it's I, so important I, if you want to compose, of course, you, you need to have the stuff in your head, you need to be able to hear it and imagine it. And that isn't what you get from reading the notes on the page. It's it's the experience, isn't it, of just playing around. No, so, um, so yeah, let's, I guess a good way of, uh, a good thing to move, move um, to the next question is about kind of teacher training and things. So I, I, I've mentioned about music students, you know, they've got the musical skills, but if they're too focused on the page, then that's going to hold them back. What would you say is the biggest challenge that non-music specialist teachers face when teaching, when running choirs, teaching singing, things like that? Okay, well, one of the one of the things I think is is confidence in their own voice and confidence about using it and not feeling shy. Um, I mean, I I always feel when I'm in front of a, a class or a choir that I am playing. I, I am the same as them. I, I don't feel that I'm there to, you know, demonstrate what a wonderful voice I have. I, <laughs> I'm there yeah. to, to share with them. And um, I, I think we've, we've got a big problem now because a lot of the young teachers have grown up in an educational era where they haven't had a singing assembly every day. They haven't had singing in the classroom. They haven't had a, you know, um, a, a really good choir in their school and they haven't experienced it themselves. So, of course, they lack confidence if they don't play an instrument either. Then they've got very little to draw on. So it is getting getting back to those teachers and, and running workshops for them and getting them to just enjoy their own voices. Yeah, I, I, I often sort of, feel as a music specialist I've often felt it actually can be harder to get some of the adults on board than it can be the children <laughs> oh just absolutely because, just because they're they're of what they're all those feelings that you described and then feeling a bit embarrassed but what I often say to colleagues is um they need to see you joining in and uh, trying your best and then they're more likely to do the same. That you can't expect them to try their best if um, if you're not doing the same. You're not modelling it. 
Exactly. And I think one of the things that you have to create in, in any singing session, whether it's adults or children, is a, a kind of sense of trust that nobody can do anything wrong, that you're all in this together and that it's about sharing joy. And if you lose any of those things, <laughs> then you don't have a successful session. It has to be fun. And I know there's a there's a big kind of, yeah, well, this is hard work approach from some some music educators. It needs to be a joy because music is, you know, it's 50% words, 50% music. You're you're expressing uh, expressing a feeling, whether it's a, a sad one, a happy one, an exciting one, a scared one. It, it's about expressing yourself through your voice. And, uh, you know, I'm big into performance. I love musical theatre. I love acting. I love drama. I love movement. Um, so when I'm working with kids, it, I'll often say to them, now, I've come in to do a workshop and you don't know me. Do, do you know what we're going to do today? And they'll look at me and probably one or two of the boys might say singing. And I'll say, mm -hmm. singing? Well, no, we're going to be acting. We're going to be moving. Uh, yeah, we would be doing some singing, <laughs> yeah. even, even though that is completely my focus. And that way you tend to get kids on board who don't see themselves as singers because they all love acting. They like moving. Boys need to mm. be physical. Do you know what I mean? And once you've yeah. got them, once you've, you've grabbed their attention and, and you've uh, started with some fun warm-ups and um, talked about, you know, using your face and using your body, then you can start focusing on on the singing because you've got them with you. It, it, it's all about engagement, isn't it? If they're not engaged, it doesn't matter what you're teaching, they're not going to learn. Yeah, and I, I remember I had Emily Barden on the show a couple oh, yes. of weeks ago, and uh, I remember her saying, like, she doesn't write songs that she personally doesn't enjoy singing. And <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So that, that, if that, that passion comes through the stuff that you, you've written, then they're going to engage with that if you have the energy. That's what I've always found. Exactly. Yes, I find the same the same thing. And and I, I love lyrics. I love I, I always loved writing poetry as a child. And and I love trying trying to get the words right for kids, you know, try, trying to get, make the song really work for them um, so that they can express it. And and as you say, um, people will sometimes say to me, "What what's your favourite song or, or what is your favourite age group and to be totally honest and this is a completely honest answer it's the song i'm singing at the time and it's the group i'm working with <laughs> at the time yeah <laughs> asking a musician what their favorite song is is far too hard a question <laughs> <laughs> oh i know it changes every day depending on your mood yeah, and what yeah. you you know it's uh, it's as soon as you've got going on the song it's it's just the joy of of sharing it with people and i tell you what i've just missed it so badly the last two years and I, I wrote, you know, um, six or seven songs during lockdown, which were kind of feel good songs. And I have not had the joy out of them because I've not sung them with anybody yet other than my grandchildren. Yeah. <laughs> They're the only yeah. ones I've sung with. Um, and I'm desperate. This coming week, I've got workshops for the first time in, in two years. And I'm, oh, I just can't wait. I cannot wait to, to be yeah. doing it again. That's because uh, um, my my school is a very out um, is a very progressive school. Uh, everything oh, takes lovely. place outdoors. A hundred percent, everything's outdoors. Um, and it. we've got three acres of national trust land, um, oh. and uh, we do a lot of project based learning, a lot of play based learning. 
Um, so it's called Liberty Woodlands School. And oh, um, wonderful. yeah, uh, we've, we've been, I've been very lucky in that sense in that even during the 2020, 2021 academic year, I could still do regular singing because we were outdoors all the Fantastic. time. So there wasn't any uh, restrictions or anxiety around that. We just got on with it. Um, oh. And yeah, now you mentioned, you mentioned your family, your grandchildren. Now I, I remember, and I know that your daughter has uh, recorded a version of one of your probably your mother's song <laughs> yes, <believe>. <laughs> she so, has yes so what um I, I guess so so what was it like kind of bringing currently bringing up your grandchildren and bringing up your own children in in sort of uh, musical background did you get involved that much or was it absolutely yes no no my husband is a I met him at uh, at Trinity so uh, he's a musician and was a secondary school uh, music teacher so I think our biggest fear was that any of our three children might be put off music because we were so you know passionate about it but luckily we didn't so um, yeah um, Tasha ended up as a an opera singer and my youngest one ended up as a, an actor singer professionally that's what he does and my nice. middle one <laughs> my middle one ended up as a university lecturer in history but he's more um he's better known these days as the marsh family faversham who've kind of kept people um uh going through covid with his four children um on youtube doing these parodies of of songs so they did they've always done this they've always enjoyed um singing as a family and playing instruments together and they did one day more um very near the beginning of lockdown and it became it had 10 million hits in the first 24 hours so they've been on every television channel all over the world actually actually this last year in fact they were on um uh comedy relief they were they were um, one of the acts on on that so um we managed not to put them all off which is i guess what you're saying um and between them they've got 10 uh 10 children and i teach four of them singing which is lovely two of them on zoom because oh, wow. <laughs> they live too <laughs> far away so um yeah. it's yes it's actually tasha's uh three children that you see on that on that video um but yeah, we, we managed not to put them off. They all went on, uh, two of them did music degrees. One of them ended up after after the degree, well, they did music and drama degrees actually. And they went on one to the Royal Academy and one to the Royal College. Um, so yeah, that's been a great joy. And of course, all therefore the 10 grandchildren, they all learn instruments and they all sing wonderfully. So that's, oh, wow. a, oh, that's a massive joy. I can't tell you, <laughs> it's really yeah, special. Yeah, I know. I guess I guess it can be good because I mean I don't know if you are listening to what I was talking about earlier. I know I was talking a lot about uh, children sharing things online, but the other side of that is I I know about a couple of um, of mum influencers whose children didn't want to be in their mum's uh, mum's social media side of things, and so oh. they were put off for life from that. It was a bit tragic, really. Oh my goodness. That's yes, that's that's the worry. You have to be led by the child. You know, what do they want to do? Um, I know one of ours kind of started um, violin that didn't work, started saxophone that didn't work. <laughs> you have yeah. to find the right the right bit for the for the child, really. Um, but they all did dance. They all had dance lessons and, and we did uh-huh. loads of improvisation. And so I I kind of do that in school. That's what I do when I'm teaching. It's very much 
how do we express ourselves? And, and my big battle is trying to get head teachers to see that singing particularly, it's not just a musical skill, it's, it's life skills, it's about communication, it's about using your voice, using your face, it's, exactly. you know, it, it's all those important things. It, it, it isn't just a music lesson. And that's sometimes, I'm sure you know, it's really hard to get that message across. Yeah, definitely. And, and um, you know, I, I, I'm super passionate about what I do. And then um, <laughs> I get, I get, you know, pe- people telling me, oh, how do you do that? And, um, well, actually, and I say to them, hey, if I sat down and I showed you a couple of things, you'd see, actually, it can be more accessible than you think, you know, you don't, you're not going to be you know the standard of someone who's been at the Guildhall School of Music and Drama like I have immediately yes but that doesn't mean it it, uh, and just because you didn't learn as a child it doesn't mean it's not too late to start and absolutely uh, we've got we've got some uh, outdoor um uh, forest school based nurseries attached to Liberty Woodland School called Little Forest Oak that came first it's a nursery franchise across South London and I've been going to um a couple of them and doing some music with them early years music and um yeah um what i'm gonna do is i'm actually gonna train up some of the teachers to because i can't be in seven places at once no um, no gonna, i'm gonna hopefully be able to train up some of the uh the teachers there to be able to carry on some of the stuff i did with their nursery while i was there or if i haven't been there yet be able to get get started and be confident uh, at least more confident about it absolutely I've, I've been working for the last five years um for the british council as part of um their world voice initiative so i've been working uh, in jordan cyprus lebanon and ethiopia actually in lebanon uh, eight times i've i've been in the last five years and um the teachers in all those places do not necessarily have any musical skills at all and music is not part of their national curriculum in any way and it's been taking music in and showing them a very different thing which is how singing can be used uh, to teach other subjects and how they can write their own songs or not write them but compose them and um, they were very keen to do that to learn English so looking at the the links between literacy and singing which of course are so close it's been an absolute joy to see them take the idea of singing which they they'd never done and really there was a lot of problems with pitching because they didn't really sing at home either so it was a very steep learning curve but seeing what they've done with their pupils is just wonderful and if ever there was a you know something to show how important singing is for children you know for refugees for children who have low self-esteem all the other emotional things about singing together, you know, really showed in the, in those places. So that's been a, a new initiative for me. You know, it wasn't my kind of doing world music and and uh, teaching in in difficult uh, countries. Um, that that was new, and again, you know, life life affirming really to show how important singing is. Yeah. Um. So. I want to go. I want to go on to. I, I know I mentioned believe earlier. I mean, you know, we all we always have um, 
as you said, your your favorite song might change uh, completely at the time, depending on what you're doing and things. But it's hard to argue that Believe is your most well-known song. <laughs> um, so um, tell us a little bit about what it was like writing that and uh, what inspired you to write it and um, things and all those things. Um, I was going through a, a little bit of a tricky time in my own life. And, and it's quite interesting because I, uh, I knew I was going to write a song that was really aimed at 11 to 14s. And I thought, what, what matters if you're feeling, you know, not quite your, your normal self or you're, you're battling with a, with a problem in life? what is the most important thing is believing in yourself, believing that you'll get through it, believing that you can can, can do things that you thought you couldn't. Uh, so it, came, it really came from the heart, that song. I, I mm -hmm. can actually remember sitting at the piano and all the feelings I had as I wrote it. Um, and I, yes, <laughs> it was, it, that one is probably the most personal song I've ever written. Apart from... Um, the one that I heard you play right at the beginning of the show when I was desperately yeah, trying yeah. to get through to you, uh, living uh, in the moment, because I'm somebody that does live in the moment. I, I, you know, if I could pause time at any given moment, I, I would. And living in the moment is, is so important. Not, not worrying about, you know, things behind you and things to come, but enjoying that. So that was another very personal song, which came through, through COVID. Um, okay. So yes, those moments when, when I feel excited or I feel thoughtful or I or I feel a bit worried I my go-to place is the piano and voice um so so I guess um the fact that Believe became such a huge success with schools and then it was sung in young voices by thousands I guess that was <laughs> completely unexpected absolutely <laughs> oh it, it, yes it was it was a real shock and then what has also been a shock is that um sometimes when I've looked on on YouTube and I've looked at Believe and I've seen that people have had it at weddings and at funerals you know it seems mm. to be a song that transfers its its main emotion to all the big moments in life, and that again, that was a huge surprise and a and a shock to me. Um, and I don't know if my feelings kind of came through it very personally to people. I I, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> it, it was it was lovely that uh, Tasha recorded it. Um, I you know that was a real. That was a real treat for me to have her singing a, a slightly different version of it. But um, that's very special. Yeah. Now, the other the other couple of songs I wanted to uh, specifically mention was, mm -hmm. uh, was um, one of my favorites to do with younger kids and get them moving is Teddy Bear Rock and Roll. I do oh. that. <laughs> um, and also... I just um, remember we were so lucky with There's a Power in the Music. We were so lucky oh. that we were able to do Sing Update just before lockdown hit that year. Um, oh, my goodness. Yes, that was yeah. awful to be then. It was because <laughs> <laughs> some schools couldn't couldn't quite 
pull it off in in the time. Um, I taught that. Um, I was doing a conference in Southeast Asia. I was in Vietnam, and um, Sing Up uh, Shelley uh, was there from Sing Up, who who I know very well. And she said, "Why don't we try this out on all the teachers from all these schools across Southeast Asia?" Um, as a little, you know, they'll be the first people to try it. So my heart was in my mouth, thinking, "Oh, they're going to like it. Is it? Is this going to work?" Um, and it that that was a joy. That that was a really lovely way to test it out on on adults first. Um, so yeah, that that was a, a fun song to write. That that really was. I enjoyed that very much. And um, and how about Teddy Bear Rock and Roll? Where did that come from? <laughs> well, um, Shirley uh, Court and Val Whitlock, who I've known for years, um, were compiling singing Sherlock, and they came to me and they said, um, "We need we need a little rock and roll number for young young kids." So can you put your mind to it? And so I was thinking, what you know, what kind of toy, what kind of thing would be quite a, a funny thing to do? So that <laughs> it just became the Teddy Bear Rock and Roll. I have to say, I I often choose that one for for workshops because again, it's got it's got movement and it's got what I was saying to you about showing a sad face and showing a happy face and yeah. thinking about feelings. Um, so uh, yeah. Uh, that was that came from from the idea of um, you know having having something that appealed to small children. Um, the other the other thing I loved doing, uh, which is on the Sing Up site as well, the, the pirate song. Um, I yes. had to write uh, eight songs about the sea for young children, and I often use those in workshops because again they're they're dramatic you know the pirates are dramatic we might start the song by um looking out just looking out to sea to see if we can see the jolly roger and you know are they are they going to come ashore and take our silver and our gold and i all i always start my songs from the meaning and and what we're singing about and what the words yeah. you know and and actually, sea sh- a lot of uh, pirate-based songs and sea songs will <laughs> go down very well with yes. uh, children. I mean, they will go down uh, generally, but especially with the Weller Man being oh, so popular yes. at the moment, thanks to yeah. thanks to Nathan uh, Nathan uh, Nathan Evans and TikTok, has um, <laughs> uh, um, that's become that's become a big deal now. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I I wanted to. Um, because I will, I will say, um, although obviously I've used a lot of your songs in my teaching, I do have many memories of um, performing some of your galas um, as a kid. I was in Hertfordshire Music Service. I remember. Oh, doing... did you did you do Royals Rogues? And I did. I did. Oh I my was... goodness, Joe, that I was amazing. <laughs> I was playing trombone in the orchestra that year. <gasps> oh my goodness. Oh, that's incredible. <laughs> Actually, a teacher from Hertfordshire got in touch two years ago and said, um, we'd we'd love to do uh, the song in our in our primary school, Pia Shonks, the, the Dragon Slayer. Um yeah. you know, one of the things that's lovely about getting a commission like that when you you have a, a whole set of songs is doing the research, um, you know, finding out the folk tales. And, and I've done this so many times for the Scottish Borders or for the Isle of Man or even for Bermuda <laughs> um, yeah. and and coming up with the history and finding a, a really good selection of, of um, songs that describe the, the environment because uh, we had um, – 
kind of the rolling hills of Hertfordshire at the beginning, didn't we? And and then yeah. finding out about the Abbey and and the clock that that didn't stop, and and John Barleycorn, and you, you know, just looking up the, the things that make that particular place special, and then trying to put them into into song. That's that's a real a real treat. I love that. I love it. When somebody asks me, um, I, I put the phone down and I, I feel scared because I know <laughs> I've got a big task ahead. But then I feel really excited. And I, and I love that um, going to do the research and, and getting excited by the, the whole background. Yeah. I remember Emily Barden saying it was like problem solving. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you certainly have to do um, a lot of lateral thinking. <laughs> so, um, what would you say um, is the biggest difference between, say, you uh, writing song for children and young people and writing a song for adults? What would you say is the biggest difference? Well, it, it depends on the adults I've been asked to write for. So some of them might be community choirs who who don't read music and perhaps don't have great ranges in their voice. So, so you've got the technical um, difference because children contrary to what a lot of teachers think as as you you will know they they can sing quite high if you teach them to sing mm. well they can access their whole range so you've yeah. got the, the technical um difference but then you've got um you know what are we singing about what what lyrics are appropriate in fact i'm working with two adult choirs this week and i'm trying out a new song on one of them called um don't be afraid um which is which is just about uh, you know taking risks in life and and looking looking forward uh and i'm doing the song that you played the other song one step at a time um because they're not uh necessarily ad advanced singers but those those words work for children and adults um if you know if you can get the the concept right then the words aren't always different if you're writing for very littleies then obviously you you come from their world and and, and what matters to them um mm. but it but my my style of teaching uh, the style of teaching the song is very similar what what is the song about which are the words that really matter how do you think you feel when you sing this song so my style of teaching, although I might use different language and a different pace, is very similar, you know, because the, yeah. the words to me matter so much. I um and, and what 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 you said about kind of uh, singing high that just reminded me of I do remember um saying to certain colleagues who would say to me I I can't sing that high it's too high but you're not the one that's supposed to be singing if the children are. <laughs> And if I, if I, you know, I remember like for a Christmas, so a reception Christmas concert, you know, oh, let's, let's, let's take Jingle Bells as an example. If you're, yes. if you're singing it down here, Jingle Bells, Jingle Bells, <laughs> you know, you're right. <laughs> and she's like, yeah, that's, that might be comfortable for you, but it's way, way, way too low for the children. Absolutely. And they're the ones that are going to be singing it. So you just got to suck it up and sing high. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's that's the the other thing is actually teaching teaching teachers to find their upper range. And they're very often um, they sing in speech quality. Now, I had one of my children, my, my middle one, he was a growler. And two oh, of his wow. children were were growlers. And I realized very quickly that they just needed to find and access and 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 work that muscle and uh 
you know, I really think um, Ben could have gone on and been a singer. Um, he, he has the most beautiful voice. But he, if he'd gone into a school where his, his mother hadn't gone shooting in to do voluntary, <laughs> voluntary teaching, <laughs> he, he would have ended up being the kid who wasn't picked to learn an instrument, who was told to stand at the back of the choir, you know, all these terrible yeah. messages. But he grew up in a house where it was celebrated and he had someone who was going to sing with him and find his his voice. Now, I've got um, one grandchild who two years ago uh, couldn't pitch at all. And he's been singing with me just on one-to-one and he's making the most glorious sound right up on top E's and F's. Um, and it is, it's experiencing and having somebody that's prepared to, to do that with you. But if you're stuck with a teacher who won't come out of their kind of growly speaking voice, then the kids never get a chance to, to visit that part of their voice. Yeah. And um, I like I do I do remember actually that I had one um, friend at school who um, he he was into his music and he enjoyed play playing clarinet, but he really wasn't a singer at all. Oh, um, yes. But then, until he found um, he went on a tour uh, with with my secondary school, yes, and they all sang. And he discovered, hang on a minute, actually, <laughs> I although I've got a ridiculously low voice, I can utilise that. Yeah. And then he went to um, university, Exeter Uni, where I happened to do my teacher training. Um, and um, and he joined Semitones, the a cappella vocal group at Exeter. Yeah. And yeah. Um, yeah, became one of their leaders um, because oh, he sort of discovered that his super low voice actually had a really good tone and quality <laughs> to it. Yeah. And he could utilize his ability to sing ridiculously low to his advantage. So that was um, that was one, really cool. His way of finding. So so I must have come down and done a vocal day with you then, because I yes. did for 20 years. <laughs> I've just yeah, realized. You so you In, were with um, Sarah. You were with wonderful Sarah Hennessy. I was in 2013, 2014. Oh, that was my, my goodness. That was my year. Uh, one of the things that I did for Sarah wasn't so much singing. It was going down and actually playing around with the voice and composing with it and making strange sounds and finding your range and exploring your range. And, uh, and I love doing that so that people don't feel, oh, this is all about singing. Um, it's about your voice, which is much bigger than just singing. It's about how you use it to speak, but but also how you use it to compose. And I love doing that with kids, making up soundscapes. And so before the you know before the pirate song, we will always do the sound of the waves and the sound of the gulls and and the wind and uh, you know to kind of get us into the scene. Um, yeah. So uh, oh my goodness, oh you had a you had a fabulous course there. Then that was uh, that was a wonderful course. Yeah, I um my second placement sadly went wrong. Um oh, and no. so I had to retake it. Yeah, the school, you oh. know, they 
they uh, weren't interested in giving me opportunities oh. to teach my specialist subjects. And I'm on the autistic spectrum, and they told the uni they quote weren't used to working with someone with autism. So oh my goodness, didn't well, have let... a good time there. <laughs> I really, I really hope they've moved on since. <laughs> That's terrible. <Yeah. laughs> but, you know, I, I I love my current job. So um, oh, it sounds wonderful to be in a school that is is so creative and progressive that just sounds wonderful yeah and I'm sort of starting from scratch because um you know I joined uh, school only opened in 2019 oh, I joined in September goodness. 2020 <gasps> and I, oh. I'm, I've been their first proper music teacher so oh, wow I'm kind of building them from the ground up wow um, and and through COVID as well yeah yeah, so that's been quite the journey. Okay, yeah. um, I'm going to play the adverts and the news. That will last about um, eight minutes or so. So stay okay. on stay on the line, but I'll, okay. I'll use this both. If you need to get a drink or anything, then okay. do it. Um, and then we'll just finish the last five minutes of the show. Okay, that's lovely. Joe, I've got no uh, chat. So if anybody has asked a question, I, I can't see it. So um... <laughs> um, no, they, they haven't. Oh, that's fine. That's fine. Okay. All right. Well, I'll, I'll take a, a quick break and um, I'll be back listening uh, oh. uh, very quickly. Okay, then. Okay. <laughs> This episode of Teachers Talk Radio has been made possible with support from Witherslack Group, the UK's leading provider of SEN education and care. They're here to support you too through an ever-growing offer of free resources, including webinars, podcasts, articles and events aimed at supporting teaching professionals like you. Visit their website at www.witherslackgroup.co.uk to find out more. Introducing Uplearn. Uplearn is an online curriculum learning resource for A-levels that improves student outcomes whilst reducing teacher workloads. Teachers use Uplearn to facilitate independent learning and consolidation of classroom material. Over 150 schools have seen grade improvements with Uplearn, including St Paul's Girls School, Michaela Community School and ARC Schools. Book a demo at uplearn.co.uk and quote TTR for 10% off. That's uplearn, U-P-L-E-A-R-N.co.uk. Introducing Bulb. With evidence-based learning at the forefront of education, let Bulb digital portfolios help reshape your educational practice. Bulb helps teachers teach and learners learn. Bulb is an easy-to-use, fully accessible digital platform that captures students' digital learning assets in one place, allowing them to evidence their learning and reflect on their growth. Our dedicated team of education specialists are on hand to ensure that Bulb fits seamlessly into all of your teaching practices. Come take a look and get a free account at bulbapp.com. If you're listening to this, then we know we share one thing in common. A passion for the type of outstanding education that every child deserves. That's what makes us the leading provider of specialist education and care. We need people like you to help us achieve even more. With us, you'll be given all the resources and support you need, offered a clear path to career progression, and be rewarded with some of the best salaries and benefits the industry has to offer. We are Witherslack Group. If you'd like to find out more, we'd love to hear from you. Visit 
www.withaslackgroup.co.uk forward slash careers and be part of our future. This is Teachers Talk Radio and this is Teachers Talk Radio News with Gail Glenn. According to a report in the Times Educational Supplement, schools are struggling to create the collegiate environment required for recovery post-pandemic as a result of the top-down pressure experienced by school leadership teams. Results of a new survey show that one-third of teachers cite management issues in schools as the reason most likely to lead them to quitting the profession, along with pay and working conditions. CEO of the Chartered College, Alison Peacock, has called for more support for teachers as a response to this survey. She warned, education recovery will only occur if teachers and leaders are provided with necessary support. General Secretary of the NAS UWT Teaching Union, Dr Patrick Roach said, the government must do more to tackle adverse and bullying management practices in schools. Teacher well-being is vital to securing the country's education recovery after the pandemic. The survey of 4,690 teachers was carried out by TeacherTap on behalf of BET UK. In Ethiopia, Education Minister Biranu Nega announced that the conflict unleashed by the Tigray People's Liberation Front has seriously affected the access to schools of more than 3 million students in the areas invaded since June. More than 1,200 schools have been completely destroyed due to the war, while three universities in Amara State were totally or partially damaged by the Tigrayan forces. The rebuilding of these institutions will cost in the region of $2 million. In Kenya, the Education Cabinet Secretary, Professor George Magoa, has voiced his hope that vocational and technical training in the country will be strengthened to help with the country's economic development. Magoa said the demand for plumbers, electricians, technicians and artisans was rising, challenging learners to take advantage of the demand and acquire the necessary skills to fill up the gaps. He said, we must tell our people that every job is important. At technical and vocational education and training institutions, you can develop skills that can address an existing problem in the community and in turn secure employment. We must move away from the examination orientated system and impart skills in our learners to ensure that they are competent to face the workforce. The government has rolled out an annual 2 billion Kenyan shilling conditional grant to vocational training colleges to boost enrolment. 
This has been your weekend Teachers Talk Radio News with Gail Glenn. This is Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods, your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. Hello, today I'm responding to a tweet from Michelle Stevens at M underscore Stevens Zero, pointing out to at Team English One that a lot of people don't know about the snipping tool, and she was compiling a list of shortcuts. The thread sparked a lot of fantastic responses and inspired today's Two Minute Tech. Today I present Getting Snippy With It. In Windows, a simple shortcut combo of Windows plus Shift plus S opens the snipping tool. The snipping tool is like an advanced version of print screen. After the combo key press, a small menu appears giving you five options. Rectangle select, which is draw a box around what you want. Freeform select, which is draw a shape around what you want. Window select, which is pick the window you want to capture. Screen select, which captures the full screen or replication of the print screen button. Some may say there's no point to this, but stay tuned. There is. Finally, there's a cross to close and pressing escape can do the same thing. If you have an interactive board, you can pin snip and sketch to your taskbar. Right click the icon and select pin to taskbar. Now you can press it to make screen grabs and not have to go over to the keyboard. Snip and Sketch also gives you the ability to annotate on a screenshot. To make this even more powerful, did you know pressing Windows and V shows your last 25 captures to your clipboard? The first time you use this, you'll need to switch on the feature by pressing Windows and V and agreeing to switch it on. Now you can take several screen captures and then paste them into the app you're presenting with. This can be very time efficient. For this week's visual version of the episode, I've made a series of clips and given some real life examples of using the snipping tool. So don't forget to check out TT Radio 2020 Twitter feed. I'm Steve Woods and that was Two Minute Tech. Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods. Tech Briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. And we're back. <laughs> I am, yes. I'm not, I'm not going away now. <laughs> <laughs> okay, brilliant. So um, we've, uh, we've covered a lot today. Um, now, one thing um, that I find personally when I'm teaching or leading singing one of the things with primary age children that I find the trickiest is teaching them to harmonise. Yes. How do you how do you approach teaching uh, key stage one and key stage two harmonies? Well, what I do with key stage one is only a very simple round, and usually I use one part as an ostinato pattern. Yeah. So I don't worry about <laughs> teaching a song with harmony because that is very tricky at key stage one and i'm after getting a really good unison sound a really good core to the sound rather than trying to divide them into parts and and lose that um kind of energy um so i i would take something like my paddles keen and bright we might just have a group doing dip dip and swing dip dip and swing all the way through it so that that's the only kind of part singing i would do at key stage one key stage yeah. two i would do um more complicated rounds i mean one i love is nervous wreck you know underneath the sea far away from land i love the book flying around um it, it's yeah. it's an old book now but it's got great songs in it so um <laughs> again i would probably do some movement with it which helps because the movement helps you remember it, it probably echoes the pitch as well so it helps them remember which part they're doing but i will do them 
perhaps when they haven't done any harmony before, I will divide the class into, say, three groups and they will only do one part over and over as an ostinato pattern. So they get really confident with singing one thing while they can hear other sounds around them. And then when they're confident at doing that, I would teach them a whole a whole round so that they're they're moving through each line and moving back to the beginning again. Um, I'm I prefer to choose songs uh, upper key stage two that have two separate melodies for harmony rather than oohs and ahs that are harmonizing on the chord because again that yeah. that's hard unless they're really accomplished. So the kids that I've been you know when I've been working in a school for some length of time they can do that fine but if they're if they haven't had that much experience then I would be trying to find counter melodies um the sing for pleasure books for instance uh or sing apart books things like silver trumpet and cinnamon and uh where the parts are they only deviate from one note for the upper part and the lower part so they've got they've got something that keeps bringing them back home yeah if you if you lose the fun and you lose the good sound there's no point in in doing harmony <laughs> yeah, you know it's it's got to be a good sound with clear words and good expression um so uh, that that for me always comes first and if we can do the harmony as well that's the icing on the cake but i wouldn't um i wouldn't make that a a priority. I think if you have a, a good primary school, then by the time you get to year seven, you really should be able to sing sing harmony very effectively and very well. But of course, so many schools, especially now, my worry is we've lost harmony singing because we lost singing for a lot of year fives and sixes. I do a festival locally with... Um, uh, 13 schools, um, primary schools near me in, in a town called Whitney. Some of them are small village schools and some of them are big town schools. And um, we do this festival every year with year two and year five. We work on, I, I give the teachers an inset on the songs, they practice them. Then we have one practice workshop and then we come together and we, we do the concert. Now, they're still not happy to sing in May this year which is driving me around the bend. <laughs> um, so, you know, it, we've lost two years of particularly the upper primary. They've, they've, they've done nothing for so long. So I'm yeah. afraid the secondary teachers are going to have a, a huge job on their hands to get children enthusiastic about singing again. Yeah, I guess um, I, I remember as well, this was before COVID, but sort of... Um, it's a similar thing happens. Um, there's a teacher I really look up to in Brighton, Anna Rusbach. Um, mm -hmm. Well, she used to teach in um, Brighton. She now teaches in Leeds. But I went to see her teach and she said to me that the infant feeder schools um, used to have a music specialist, but then stopped. And so she found mm. that her year threes um, had had to start from scratch yes. with them. Um, so it's important to like get it through. Absolutely, uh, the continuity. The yes. Yeah. Yeah. And and those that in, in my case, those that progress from Liberty Wood uh, from Little Forest Folk Nurseries to Liberty Woodland School are gonna have are gonna have me for a long time. That's uh, so wonderful. they'll have that throughout. Mm. But those those in the nurseries that uh, then go on to Main Street, rather different schools. Yes. I think they're gonna have quite high expectations of their music 
<laughs> so we'll see how that goes. <laughs> I know, I know. We we I do feel a bit kind of oh, we're reinventing the wheel again. But we need to get back. We need to get teachers back singing. Um, get kids back singing. Um, I I I did actually do four days of workshops at the beginning of November in in Bournemouth. Again, a, a fe- I normally conduct two big carol uh, concerts there um, for Christmas every every year, and it was a little moment in COVID where they they cancelled. The, the huge get together of all the schools because it was mixing the bubbles, but they were very much yeah. wanting me to go in and work in 10 different primary schools. And the children were overjoyed to be singing. None of them had sung for 18 months. And uh, I remember this one class of year fives and this little boy put his hand up and I said, yes, what, you know, what, what is it? What do you want to ask? And he said, it's just, it's just, and he looked around at the, the, the children in his class. Um, they were all sitting on the floor and he said, it's just this sound all around me. And I thought maybe he was panicking. And he said, it's just wonderful. <laughs> and I remember <laughs> so just cold. kind of feeling tears in my eyes because I felt <laughs> the same thing. I just felt the same thing. It was, it was yeah. wonderful to be singing again. So we've got a massive job on our hands, all of us that, that, do this fantastic job we need to get out there and uh and say come on guys <laughs> you know my worry is that the heads who've let it go will not be in any hurry to get it back again because it's a nuisance no. you know singing and you noisy know, and you know what the uh actually one of the news stories this week um uh they uh was was mentioning about um what of um uh, getting away from exam focus and yes. you know that's what what I love about my current school is that you know although there's things that are expected of me and there's there's things that I do need to uh, mm-hmm. cover and stuff at the same time I love the fact that we've ditched Ofsted and joined the Independent Schools Association Fabulous. I love the fact I love the fact that we're not doing SATs um, at all no <laughs> yes. ex- no exams at primary uh, we wow. are progressing we are progressing into secondary eventually when we do we oh. do we're going to do the international baccalaureate yes do the ip yep. and a levels so um you know all all that all that stuff is going to really help in terms of um be, being able to um i'm really hoping to turn my school into a uh, powerhouse music school oh um, fabulous it's gonna I think you know I'm not expect obviously not expecting it to happen overnight I know we all know as music teachers it's a gradual process yeah and it's one that has to be built up and if it stops becoming fun then or enjoyable then it's not worth doing um yeah yeah, yeah. and to it and so yeah there's um I'm really hoping that that goes ahead Oh, that's that sounds wonderful. Um, because we do need creative thinkers, and one of the things I was hoping after COVID was that um, because so many people turned to music and singing, um, I was hoping that that would have a you know a big bounce back. But um, <laughs> yes, the worry is that it kind of disappears again. But it's so our creative industries are one of our biggest earners in the UK. You know, we yeah. don't manufacture things anymore, but boy, do we have some wonderful creative um, performance work and music, drama, dance. We, you know, we're very good at that. And it does teach people to to think outside the box, come up with creative solutions, good at problem solving. You know, again, life skills um, that some heads just don't see. 
Mm. So, yeah, and and that's I I think that's a general like the government pushing an exam based mm, and heavily mm. academic faced agenda onto head teachers who then in turn push that onto their staff. And yes. It's just a it's a vicious cycle that. Yeah. And so yeah, um it's it's gonna be tough if people uh for those that are not on board with that kind of thing. Yes. If they are on board and they need uh they just need a bit of support that's that's going to be much easier and much more manageable the hardest part for us as music teachers is going to be to convince those that don't believe in it <laughs> yes <laughs> yes and i do i do find myself doing a very political kind of talk to heads about you know all these life skills and and uh, creative thinking and problem solving and teamwork and communication and expression but but it's true and it it does matter the kids who sing in choirs develop a confidence about them um they're not shy giving good eye contact using their voice um speaking out you know we we need that in life whatever you're going to do in life you need you need those um those skills um and and if singing is taught well it it should really you know it should help all those things but it yes it is it's going to be a battle i'm ready for it i'm ready for it yeah, after, after, yeah. after covid i'm i'm up for it i'm up for a fight <laughs> um cool so we're um i i did deliberately um overrun because of the um the technical hitches earlier but um oh, i'm so, so sorry it's all right um i there's there's nobody um doing a show immediately after me so i i can kind of do this and then edit the, the slower bits out that's fine oh, um good. i have one more question and then i thought i personally myself would play and sing there's a power in the music to finish does that sound good oh lovely that's <laughs> great um so my last question is like um generally speaking what would you say because generally i teach the, the kids I teach, uh, the songs generally have the notes are from, you know, middle C to high C. Mm -hmm. um, would you say that's like an ideal vocal, overall vocal range with, you know, give and take one or two notes if they're more advanced singers? That is a safe vocal range, certainly. Yeah. And that's what you'd kind of expect to do. But kids can go down to a B flat at the bottom and they can go to a top F. As long as they're doing it safely and they're doing it with good breath support and good posture and um, all those things. But again, it's drip feed. They're not going to suddenly get a top F if they've never been up there before. But yeah. if you're playing around with the voices and you're doing a good siren at the beginning to get the, the, the larynx moving and they're standing well and you're paying attention to just general good vocal um vocal technique really i would call it that even with little ones even with little ones sitting on the floor i'll talk about their tanks and what do they put in what what is the fuel that they use to sing you know is it jelly is it ice cream is it diesel and they all laugh and we say no it's air well how big is your tank how can you make your tank big so you know talking about how you sit on the floor so that you've got a nice big tank so Really, as long as you're doing good vocal technique right from the beginning, um, by the time they're year five and six, they can get top Fs. 
even my Ben could, <laughs> who started yeah. life as a growler. Um, but I wouldn't say that to in schools where they don't do much singing or they haven't got a teacher who's confident. Then I would absolutely agree that C to C with the odd D and the odd B flat thrown in is is a sensible a sensible range. Brilliant. Now, um, so I want to finish by uh, playing and singing. There's a power in the music myself. Oh, now, I, I do I do remember having a good time uh, teaching this as well, because um, like um, I, re I remember setting it up so that I had the choir. Uh, I was in a main teaching in a mainstream school at the time. Mm -hmm. and I had the choir choir singing the uh, higher harmony in the second chorus i remember <laughs> having a team of djembe drummers doing the boom, oh boom, boom, wonderful um with and a few singing soloists as well so i like really went all out making oh. this um, making this work but this is one of um this is uh the song that lynn lynn wrote for sing up day 2020 just before lockdown hit so we were <laughs> personally my school we we're incredibly lucky we could pull this off i know as lynn said some schools decided not to which is a real sh crying shame um <laughs> yeah, um but yeah it's called there's a power in the music Singing lifts the spirit, heals the heart and feeds. 
it's the soul. Sing it makes us stronger, we can reach for any goal. song when our voices join together we are fearless we are one and we feel the sense of freedom as it carries us along there's a power in music and a spirit in my soul yay that's <laughs> <laughs> oh, great oh that's really great to hear lovely I know my singing voice can sound a little thin sometimes. No, it was fab. Oh, no, it was lovely to hear. Really nice. Oh, thank you. No, I have good, I, I, I have good memories of doing, of doing that. Um, sadly, I wasn't able to send off a, a video because um, I wasn't in time to get like filming permissions and things. I, I yeah, did manage I to, I did manage to with 